Hoi there, Ome, and welcome back to the Hard Knock Sorority Podcast, a Shadowrun 4th Edition actual play podcast. Jander on over here and take a listen to episode 31. It is finally time to collect that sweet, sweet new yen and reunite Ice, Rigor Mortis, and Procop. Cecile seems to be in the clear, right? This is it, chummers, the final act of season one. It's been a pleasure sharing it with you. As always, featuring Beth as Grace, a.k.a. Nightingale, and Val as Ali, a.k.a. Boxer, Veronica as Cecile, a.k.a. College Girl, and Kat as Deandra. It's really whiz that you are joining us, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please tell your friends and leave us a positive review. We are available on most podcast services, YouTube, iTunes, etc., you can also find a link to our Discord server in the podcast description and on the YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you, and we share a lot of in-game pay data there as well, such as maps, intros, fluff, and character stories. Please do drop us some feedback. Thank you again, chummers. Don't forget, watch your back, conserve your ammo, always check that cred stick, and never, ever make a deal with a dragon. Okay, so you guys are heading back into Seattle, um, and you're getting to the Samovar in Tacoma about the same time that Deandra and, and Ice and Rigor Mortis are pulling up on the motorcycle. Um, so Rigor Mortis has not met or seen you guys so far. So he's only seen Ice and Deandra. Ice was the one who grabbed him out of the yard and onto the motorcycle, and Deandra drove him off so he never actually met you guys so you are arriving in Tacoma at this point um, and you see uh, you guys are pulled up in the back of Samovar where you normally pull up you see Deandra and, and the motorcycle on the motorcycle with ice and sitting in the sidecar is the uh, the small uh, somewhat older looking man that you recognize as Rigor Mortis, the man you freed from captivity at the Warehouse Alliance place. And uh, Grace, are you masking or otherwise changing your appearance? Coming out through the Samovar? Question mark. So we're we're going we're there at the Samovar, parked at the Samovar. Right. Am I getting that right? Yes. Um, and basically, this is your introduction to this. NPC Rigor Mortis, the guy that you just rec- um, that you saved the other day. Although Rigor Mortis might recognize the horse, I don't think oh, he yeah. he would have seen the horse. The horse actually manifested to get him into the. Oh right, forgot all about that. Yeah, so I mean, he knows he knows there is a horse afoot. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, no point in trying to hide it. Okay, so the van pulls up. And uh, Rigor Mortis is standing there, and then I guess as uh, Boxer and Race gets out, you see him sort of look startled, and he says, Wait, there really is a horse? I thought somebody was just astrally projecting and sending me a a message. I says, Well, who do you think was astrally projecting? It wasn't me, obviously. Can I hear that? (laughs) Yep. Grace, the the horse talks too. Don't be surprised. (laughs) As she's getting out, I'm imagining her like tumbling out and like 
tumbling out because she's trying to wave. Tumbling out of the car trying to wave. And uh, once she gets onto all fours, she, she does it again and actually gives a wave and walks over to the, uh, the group parked. Um, they're, they're covered by the building, the Samovar, right? Yes. Yeah. And as you, you know... Hey, you're rigor mortis, right? Uh, he looks even more startled and he says, Yeah, I did... What? Who? What? Who? How? He doesn't who are explain you? as she produces her, uh... What are you? Notepad, and she flips to her illustration of, uh, rigor mortis, and she just compares it with the man in front of her. Uh, yeah, you did a pretty good job. Uh-huh. I could maybe make a job out of that at some point in the future. Um, but she, uh, she smiles and it's kind of smile where it's very obvious she doesn't really understand how people smile. It's not natural for her to bare her teeth like that. (laughs) He, uh, he smiles back at you somewhat uncertainly and looks at Ice and Deandra as if for confirmation that you know, everything's cool. And then he says, uh, well, I've seen it all now. Talking uh-huh. horses. Uh, my name is Nightingale. I am a explorer, scholar, shadow runner. Uh, yes, another world. Giraffes in a second. Giraffes are dangerous extraplanar entities. Wrong. No, that is very true. I'll have you know. Speaking of dangerous extraplanar entities... Grace is out of the corner of her eye observing three uh, spirits. Um, she recognized them as the usual uh, guardian spirits, not watcher spirits, but guardian spirits that hang around the Samovar that appear in the astral like uh, large black wolves um, are approaching the group and sort of not getting very close, but sort of circling the group. And Grace, make a Make a composure test. Mm. If they smell weakness, they're going to tear my throat out. Probably. No, they're not birds. Three. Oh, yeah. Grace is managing to keep her composure, even though these these spirits, while they don't seem overtly threatening, are certainly scary and reminiscent of other creatures that she's read about. Yeah. She tries to give them an astral hello. Like, how are you talking? But magic. Um, and then she immediately like disengages and ignores them. They uh, they circle the uh, the group for a little while and then start leave again as as if on patrol. And then you see a uh, then you see a watcher spirit come around, just sort of bouncing around, following in their wake, and uh, gives you a cheery smile as it passes. Watching, watching, watching. That's right. It's just sort of a smiley face, a big fuzzy smiley face. She, and she you, actually says that out loud. When you, when you say that. So all the, the rest of you guys are standing there and having a conversation. And all of a sudden the horse starts, just says, watching, watching, watching. And uh, you feel a whole lot better. The, the watcher spirit really sort of lifts your spirit after that moment with the, with the wolf spirits. And it's bounces away going watching 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 and you hear it sort of trailing off watching 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 <laughs> yeah i love those things and i says so what are we watching oh i was talking to the creatures again don't mind her i think it's more about who is watching 
I am watching. And then she uh, she suddenly produces like a magnifying glass from one of her breast pockets, and she like points it at one of the group looking at them through it. Rigor Mortis yeah. is taking all this in, and he says, "Well, um, it's a pleasure to meet you, Grace, and I am grateful to you for helping me escape." You're welcome. And then he looks at. Ian, or he looks at Boxer and he reaches out his hand and he says, I take it you were part of the, the team as well? I am indeed. Rigor mortis. Pleasure to meet you. They call me Boxer. A pleasure. So... At that point, a grid guide pulls up and uh, Cecile gets out. Cecile, you basically see this tableau in front of you of the, uh, the team, including Ice and Rigor mortis standing around. Um, looks like they're making introductions. He walks past them into the samovar. Wait, before she can get too far away, too far past, Nightingale like actually like runs up beside her and says, I have a gift for you. And then just offers her a pretty rock. It's literally just a normal rock, like gray. But it's kinda cool. Kinda. Not even uh, slightly, actually. Cecile looks taken aback and walks faster. <laughs> And there's the college girl right on. Ice calls after you. Shoves it into her purse and then goes back to the group. Hey, college girl, where are you going? Into the samovar. Uh, well, all right. Let's. Uh, I was thinking maybe we should have a quick chat out here before we go in and talk to Prokop. He stops momentarily. A chat about what? About what we're gonna say. She looks like befuddled. He looks at the rest of the group says, she'll get the hang of it sooner or later. She just continues walking inside. She doesn't have time for this. This is this is the back, by the way. The uh, the security team is standing uh, by the door and the camera's watching as you approach. She didn't appreciate my rock. I'm sorry, don't worry. We'll help her figure out that she loves rocks with the next one. I think the, I'll uh, get her flowers next time. Cecile, as the security, as you approach the door, the security team standing there, and do you sense that one of them is talking on their, on a, on an embedded comm link, and then they say, uh, uh, one moment, please, miss. Of course. You're, uh, you didn't call ahead for an appointment? Uh, I believe he's expecting us. Uh, he's not on the premises at the moment. Hmm. In that case, uh, perhaps it would make more sense if I were to tell you that we have a one rigor mortis here. Okay, um, one moment, please. I think Deander, like, marches up behind, uh, uh, Cecile and, like, picks her up and pulls her back to the- at this point. Deal does not let this happen. Fight, fight, fight. Oh my god. No, she's just going to resist being picked up, as any normal person would. All right. So, would you like to make an opposed test? Sure. What yes. am I rolling? Um, do you have? You know, we're not even going to make a, a. Well, you will roll strength and agility, and if you have unarmed combat, you can add those dice as a bonus. Whoa, two. Never mind. <laughs> 
Yes. So, Deandra, describe what happens here. I think Deandra literally just walks up behind Cecile and, like, loops one, like, just... Deandra definitely just walks up next to Cecile and then just, like, crouches down, grabs Cecile in, like, a fireman's carry, and carries her back to the group and sets her back down. Screams, yells, help, and says, unhand me. Unhand me, you fool. I was imagining in my head uh, her, like, picking Cecile up and then, like, carrying her like a toddler would carry a cat or dog. Like, tucked under one arm? No, like... Under like, the two armpits with her arms hanging out forwards? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the entire animal's body is just hanging. With a super angry face. Yeah. The animal is not pleased. Okay, so... Get, let go of Cecile? Dinder is definitely trained in picking up people. Um, That's yeah, great, but D- Cecile is magic. And Dinder does put Cecile down back at the group. Okay, so like only a couple seconds of holding on to yeah. her. Just long enough for Cecile to start screaming and then immediately stop. Cecile like a little baby. Looks very upset. Both Ice and Rigor Mortis look highly uncomfortable at this point. Well, so... As you we can see, we have a team of only the utmost professionals. Sorry. Mm. No, I'm not sure. That there's a team of you only have a team of utmost. Prof- I imagine you were talking to Rigor Mortis as you were making introductions to him. <laughs> yeah. Very professional. Much wow. Boom. Much wow. As Ice mentioned before, you must decide what is important information and what is unimportant. Don't see what relevance that could have. Well, do but we want how we did it? Is it going to ask why he's here? Like, we aren't going to lie to the man. He's our right. boss. We're, We're just going to a... tell him what happened. We should have a consolidated story that cuts out what would easily be known, or what could easily be called chaff, unuseful information. Well, if he doesn't ask, it doesn't matter. Well, what if he does ask? Just tell him what happened in a consolidated way. Do you do you not know how a summary works? She she looks pissed off and confused. Like Nightingale begins to bounce and she says, "Do you mean we're not supposed to enter, uh, uh like give information up freely for no reason?" I, I think Dandy like closes her eyes for a second and her entire face is twitching, and then she just breathes out and opens them. We need to have all of us be able to tell the same story. So, we don't have to be questioned further than is necessary. Yeah, of course we would give the same recollection of events. We're not lying. Yeah, I'm a little confused too. Didn't we all see the same thing? Well, if we all said, if we all uh, saw the same thing, what color was the wallpaper in the three of our uh, hotel room. You had wallpaper? Hotel room? I would exactly. like to roll edge to guess it correctly. <laughs> okay, do it. <laughs> oh my. One or two edge dice. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. Thank you. Did you, did you, okay, you, you did roll a dice. You didn't have your penalty on this time. What color did you guess? Blue, like a sky blue. So at that point, Rigor Mortis says, look, um, guys, 
I think we can, I don't know what the plan is here. You guys broke me out and now I'm here. Um, he points at his head and says, let's not forget, I've still got a cortex bomb in my head. We're going to pull that out of your brain, I think, eventually. I, I, I would sort of like that to be a priority at this point. Uh, we I've been wearing this pop. motorcycle helmet for, you know, going on 24 hours now. In the hope that my head doesn't explode, or if it does, that the that the helmet will contain it. I've got some education here, but God knows that I am not the one you want digging around in your head. So you're gonna have to wait for one of Prokop's people, and he has many to help you out this afternoon. Or if anyone's in contact with a Ripper dog, we can fit it. As you mentioned, Prokop Skillful's name, you see Ice sort of in the background making the the cutting motion across his neck as if to say. Ugh. Don't say that. I tell that he like hates this man. He just genuinely hates Brokop. Or is he like afraid of him? Like what what's going on there? So as as the the name Prokop Skoful comes up and as you're perceiving in the astral, you see various flares of emotion through rigor mortis's aura. Um, usually the name I mean mostly the name the name elicits um, Quite a bit of anger and uh, distrust and yeah probably a little bit of fear as well but certainly rigor mortis has no fond feelings for Prokop skillful why don't you like Prokop? grace just says out loud the biggest faux pas ever and he looks at you and he says finally somebody's making sense here he betrayed us He's the man who set the whole mission up that got me in jail and ice burned and the rest of our team dead. I haven't heard anybody prove to me yet that it wasn't intentional. Well, what he told us is that it fell apart and he couldn't do anything for you at the time. That's what he told us. And he did pay money to get you out of prison. Yeah, but to what end? I don't trust him. I'm Is surprised it, that Ice trusts him. Can Cecile eye the door and see if the guards look like they're going to let her in yet? They look like they're they're watching you and still one of them seems to be conferring on his comlink. There is a... Uh, does Cecile perceive Astrally at all? No. Uh, well, she can. She just isn't right now. Grace, on the other hand, does. And Grace sees that uh, one of the... One of the security personnel at the door is magically active and does seem to be perceiving in the astral. Mm. Look, this is what happened. Prokop hired us to do a, a mission, right? To do a run. Uh-huh. We were supposed to kidnap this person. It was a setup. When we got there, somebody else had tried to murder them and set us up for their murder. Lone Star came down on us like a ton of bricks. They had already been tipped off. They knew the whole thing was going down. The only person who survived and got out of this in any kind of okay shape was Prokop. What, was he your fixer? He was our fixer, yes. That's... Isn't that just how fixers work? I'm not understanding your compunctions against this man. Well, okay, listen. I think I understand why he has the feelings he has. It makes a lot of sense. If I was in his position, I would probably think that Prokop did something fishy too. But, but, uh, 
Prokop is going to help you, presumably. And I don't know if there's any strings attached, but you should probably proceed with an open mind. It would it would b- benefit you, Rigor Mortis, because uh, he has a lot of resources. And he's also pretty friendly. He gave Look, me Horkata whenever I asked for it. I, I don't care for your grudges. I just helped get you, she gestures to the dwarf, out. I, I don't care about your cranial bomb. I don't care about any of that. I'm just here to get paid what I'm doing. I care about your he's cranial not a, bomb. He's not a He's not a dwarf. Oh, he's just small? He's just small. You just did, like, <laughs> I'm not imagining, like, he tensed it. That you're, like, you're looking at him and you're, like, small. I misremembered that he was a dwarf. You're just, I care you're, about your you're going by the, by the classic Shadowrun trope that the rigor is always a dwarf. Well, okay, I wouldn't normally be wrong. <laughs> but in this racism. case, he's not. Sizeism. Ice at this point says, "Yeah, I felt the way same way you did to Rigor Morris when Prokop first came to me and told me that he'd found you. I, f- I had exactly the same sentiment as you, but in the meantime, I've, I've changed my mind." And Rigor Morris just sort of puffs and then looks resigned, and says, "All right, let's get this over with and see what's happening. I, whether I end up back in jail or whatever, who knows?" I doubt you'll end up back in jail. At least not in the near future. Um, the door to the Samovar opens up and you see the woman, Nadia, who has greeted you at this door every time you've come here, standing there looking at you. Ah, good. Cecile goes ahead and walks over. Deandir makes sure her bike is locked heading the, the, to the door, trying to stay at least close enough to Cecile to keep her out of trouble. <laughs> um, her out of trouble? Yes. There is actually a remember right there a picture here somewhere. Nadia? Yeah. So she's Nadia standing in the doorway watching you guys talk. And Grace, you see that she is astrally perceiving as well. She's watching you in the astral. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the make a an astral perception test. As in Am I specifically trying to read auras, or am I am I trying to perceive something happening in my environment? You're perceiving something happening in your environment. Okay, that'd be perception. Where's perception? Ooh. As as you glance over towards Nadja, um, there's a briefest flicker, a briefest fraction of a second where her warding isn't doesn't seem to be engaged. And instead of in the astral, instead of a female human, you see you see something else. And I am going to I sent it to you as a direct message. You can choose Secret to share secrets. it with the team or not. Nightingale is suddenly very tense and she makes eye contact with Nadia, or at least she's like staring quite whinily at her face. She's smiling at you. Nadia doesn't smile. She's smiling at you in a way that's somewhat disturbing. As if she knows that you saw her and she's giving you sort of that sardonic smile of, I know that you know that I know that you know. (laughs) I don't feel, I don't know 
if I feel right about this. As a... Well, Cecile's rapidly approaching. And Gelt doesn't go to stop her. Alright, and Cecile's rapidly approaching. Deandre was following her, right? Yes. And Ice and Rigor Mortis had followed her as well, so... Um, Box, are you hanging back with Grace? Yes. Okay, so... Is it... Are Grace and Boxer are still hanging back by the van? Well, by the, the motorcycle where uh, everyone had gathered around. Yep. Okay. As you approach Nadia, uh, he looks at uh, at you and smiles and says, Welcome. Unfortunately, Prokop isn't here at the moment. However, I can offer you refreshments until he returns. That'll do nicely. Very well. Follow me. She looks over at Grace and Boxer, and she calls to you. Uh, and she's probably calling directly to Grace. Would you like to enter and have some refreshments while we wait? Mm-hmm. How visible is Grace's anxiety? It's it's very apparent. She's an incredibly social animal. Even if it's not in her face, because it's not metahuman in shape, you can tell the tension in her muscles, the twitching in her ears, how intently she's raised. Yeah. Uh, I would say just make a make a perception test with uh, let's call it plus two dice. Are you about to say advantage? Roll with advantage! Yes, so Grace's anxiety is quite obvious to you. Grace! Huh? Grace, are you alright? Grace promptly bonks uh, Boxer in the thigh, like, huh. bunts her head against her thigh and casts Mind Net. Uh, okay. What was the minimum force for this one? One. Okay. Oh. Huh? That is so expensive. Actually, never mind. I think she's just going to, to like, look up at her and whisper, um... He'd be a DM if he wanted to be very secret. Very secret moments. <laughs> very secret. Keep your mind that away from me. Keep your filthy mind net. I didn't want magic. it anyway. Magic cooties. Ew, magic. Ugh, I, I would I, never. I'm immune to magic cooties. Actually, you know what? Mind net would probably be a good idea. I'm gonna cast it. The fucking drain be damned. So if it's if it's 0.5, you round up. If it's anything else, you round down. Think so? Yeah, I take two drain for that. There you go. My net established. Very slumps a little bit from the drain. Yeah. Um, should I should I just say what she'd say out loud? You can DM it. It's up to you. You can DM it or you can just say it out loud. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of just DMing it for now. Mm-hmm. Nadia calls out again. I assure you he'll be here shortly and you'll be more comfortable inside. She has a somewhat stilted accent. All right, GM, while they're DMing, weather check. What does the weather look like? So it's an unseasonably warm day in Seattle. Um, It's about 14 degrees Celsius. Uh, It's not raining, fortunately, and it's not overly wet. It's just uh, actually for, for Seattle in the February, it's quite pleasant. Aside from, you know, the acid rain, the acid smog, the adults, the acid in general all over everything, turning everything black. Samovar's 
quite dark anyways, so even the outside. I mean, it's an old industrial building. Um, the acid rain's been eating away at it for decades. Uh, so there's black residue all over everything. And you're in a back alley where, you know, the deliveries are made. So it's not, it's not a chic part of town. It's Tacoma. So it's, you know, you're basically in, hanging out in an industrial back alley with some sketchy characters. All of each of you thinks that the rest of the party is sketchy, except for Grace. If you were paying a lot of attention to Dander, you'd definitely see a lot of her mystics starting to act up again. Is that because that's just situation or just dealing with I mean, steel? That's dealing with the steel, the start of the being in the shadow. Does Dander not like being in... When you say the shadows, are we talking literal shadows or the figurative shadows of uh, Shadowrun? The, the figurative shadows. Dander doesn't like it but she's not going to let that stop her. No, she's got that in common, Mrs. Seal. <laughs> it also is just the start of her allergies coming up now that she's lived in uh, Seattle long. For the record, whatever amount Cecile liked you before, she no fucking hates you. I feel that's like that's legitimate. I'd be a bit miffed. Yeah, that's understandable. But uh, Deander's had a long night. She thought it would be easier to pick up Cecile, and it was. So, she's electrocuted people. Alright, so so Nadja calls over to you and says, I'm sure it will be much comfortabler inside. We have refreshments, and um, we will be here shortly. Boxer's looking at uh, Nadia with a certain appraising look. Um, for my own memory, was it Nadia or Talia that said the weird thing to Cecile? It was Talia. Okay, that's what I thought. The other strange woman that hangs out with Prokop, this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just reminding myself. Nightingale isn't going to be able to make a decision. He's, he's kind of stuck. What's Boxer doing aside from looking at Nadia? She's definitely giving Grace some absent pats comforting the other spirits that uh, grace has observed have have returned and are are slowly circling you call the wolves off it's not really helping me think nadia makes a quick flick of her hand and the, the wolves go loping off what? Mm-hmm. Hmm. wolves that none of the rest of you see of course naturally um gosh uh, he says we mean you no harm do I know anything that... Do I know about shifters? I don't know. Do you? Would I? How, like, well-known are they in the sixth world? They're not unknown. How deep in the root... They're all over niche forums. So if you're that kind of internet person... In the person, shadows, there are some well-known shifters. Every other poster is like, I'm a shifter slash my partner is a shifter. There is actually a bar in Tacoma that's known or thought to be um, frequented by shifters who work in the shadows. You know, now that I think about it, she almost certainly would know about shifters. And it might take her a moment to piece it together. How do shifters present in the astral? Would she, I don't know if she would have met one in person, because I know they're fairly rare. Yeah, they're pretty rare. With that realization, she says the horse they're very rare says the unique individual in the sixth world well after a moment 
she she reasons out that there's a non-nefarious explanation here and she lets up and relaxes and uh just says i I think it's all right actually over the mind net and um and uh i suppose she reluctantly looking uh both ways behind her just to confirm that the wolves have actually gone start going to the back door where nadia has been apparently quite emphatically inviting her in yep so um you all enter the the samovar and you can see rigor mortis sort of nervously glancing around as nadia leads you through the the sort of airlocked hallway that you've become familiar with and back to the vip section and it's comfortable seating and as you are getting seated she asks she basically asks you all for what what type of refreshments you would like I'll have some uh, genmaicha, please. Some what? Genmaicha. Sounds it's, awful. It's a type of tea. Okay. It is a uh, brown rice green tea, consisting of a green tea mixed with roasted popped brown rice. Okay. That does not sound bad, actually. So she takes your orders, and uh, after a few minutes, uh, she she sort of disappears off into the background, and after a few minutes, a uh, one of the wait staff shows up with... Uh, with your orders and sets them down in front of you. Um, as you're as you're having your refreshments, you know you see in the background you see the the sort of startup hustle of the the staff of the uh, the bar and restaurant going about their their morning routine, cleaning up, making sure that everything is ordered for the start of business. And then, uh, are you guys gonna? Does anybody have any plans or anything in mind aside from waiting for Prokop? Neil's going to enjoy the entertainment. Boxer's getting... One thing, she's getting hard coffee. Real coffee, but hard. I think Deandere would probably end up texting Brown Dog. Um, I know Brown Dog's like... Actually, she probably wouldn't want to rely on... Uh, let's see. Don't really have any other people in the shadows. And... Um, Brown Dog? I... Yeah, I think I would end up contacting Brown Dog. You're just texting him? I'm texting him, asking if he knows her. Just in case. He responds immediately, naturally, since he sees you now as his ticket into the big leagues as a connection to Prokop Skillful, and he says, uh, uh, yeah, I know a couple, he texts back, yeah, I know a couple, and, uh, what kind, what are you looking for? What's What specialty are you looking for? I need, uh, a potato taken out of someone's brain. This time the response isn't as immediate, and then the response is, um, I'm going to have to check around who's got the best qualifications for that, but I'll be right back to you. Thank you, Brown Dog. Take your time. Perceiving astrally at this inside here, as you've noticed before when you've entered the Samovar, this is a very heavily magically warded and guarded area. But most of the staff that you see walking around are, are perfectly mundane, just going about their tasks. You don't even see any watcher spirits watching you at this point. And a little while later, um, some of you might be already be on your second cup of refreshment. Uh, Prokop and Talia come, come striding in from the other side, from where the public entrance is. And they are dressed a little bit differently than you've normally seen them where you've seen them sort of in a casual evening evening wear. Um, 
Prokop is wearing a very formal suit, and uh, Talia is wearing uh, a less streetwear clothes, more almost more corporate looking as they approach. And uh, Prokop smiles his usual smile at you guys, and when he sees Rigor Mortis, he sort of lets out a what seems like a very happy cheer and and runs up to to Rigor Mortis and to hug him and immediately gets a cup of soy coffee thrown in his face. Can I can I try and catch the coffee? Uh yeah, you can. What should I roll there? Should Let's I Let's see. Um I guess I guess I would roll uh the effect agility and then roll for it. Right? I think we should make a just a surprise test. Anyway, I'm going to put on Portuguese blues. Very important. So surprise tests are only for combat. Here I'm trying to do something that's not necessarily combat. Well, let's just see if you're surprised. If you aren't surprised, then you will have the opportunity to attempt to stop the coffee. If you are surprised, it means that you did not have a chance to react. Okay, so how do I determine if I'm surprised or not? Uh, just roll your initiative. No, you got you rolled a four, a two, a five, two, five, six, five. So I got, you got four hits. You got four hits. Yeah. Any modifiers? So you got four hits. Rigor Mortis got two hits. We'll go with your first roll. So you basically you're you are not surprised. I'm able to just pluck the soy calf out of the air. Are you so you're using your like magic fingers? Uh, psychokinesis, yeah. What I'm imagining what I imagine would happen is that like goes to toss it and like it actually starts coming out and then suddenly like sparkling glowing in a strange way that their eyes have probably never seen before have to take a moment all together to process what they're seeing the liquid stops in mid-air the cup writes itself with the liquid like almost as though it's exploding upwards and it falls back down to the cup and the cup is set down on the table and at that point, both uh, both Prokop and Rigor Mortis look surprised. Of course, I don't know how everybody else is reacting, but Prokop and Rigor Mortis are are surprised. And then Prokop pulls himself together, and, and Rigor Mortis says, "You son of a bitch! You've got a lot of explaining to do." Prokop says, puts up his hands, and and you can see that he realizes, you know, that this is going to be a little bit more complicated than he expected. And, um, you saw when when rigor mortis through the actually I guess everybody can make a perception test. Perception. Can you make a perception test? Three. There's perception. Two. Perception. Four. Yeah. When when rigor mortis attempted to throw the coffee at uh, at Prokop, there was a, a visible twitch from from Talia, but she managed to restrain herself. And just like you saw some magical discharge around the cup there was also the the slight glow around Talia's hands that I believe Cecile has seen before and Grace has seen before. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens other than that. And then Prokop is making placating gestures and, and saying yes, I understand Rear Morris and I understand your anger and I'm sorry that it took us this long to find you and rescue you. We should have looked we should have looked harder. But believe me, there was no ill intent on my part. I did not set you up. Um, 
Anyways, we can go through out of character now. We can go through. I, I don't think we need to go through the whole exposition thing again between Rigor Mortis and, and Prokop. It would be a rehash of things that we've already we've already heard. Um, no, 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 Paul. I really want to hear you argue with yourself. <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that. When you put it like that, it sounds even less thrilling. I don't think that's actually what she was trying to, to say. There are only so many opportunities you get to inflict suffering on your GM. <laughs> hey, when you put it like that, no, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, but ultimately, basically, Prokop, the story that you guys have already heard, you know, where Prokop was hired as a cutout, to hire a group of Shadowrunners to be take the fall, and that he also took the fall. All of that comes out, and you hear the story again about you know the internal power struggles in in uh, in Mitsuhama, and how Mary Luce and um, Hideo Yoshida were wrangling for power, and ultimately Mary Luce came out on top with the CEO ship of uh, Yamatetsu, which ultimately became Evo and all that that whole story comes back out and rigor mortis listens and every now and then he interjects and and after a while he basically he says all right well okay so you didn't sell us out and and now you've rescued me and i've spent 18 years in prison what now what do we do now and uh ice or prokop looks at him and says well it's whatever you want I mean, I can find you a safe place, I can get you a new identity, and you can live your life whatever you want. And uh, I says, were you going to say something? Go ahead. No, you're fine. Why, was Cecile going to make us say something? I, I thought better of it. <laughs> um, they discuss it for a bit, and uh, Ice ultimately makes the offer that rigor mortis should accompany him to uh, to Nova Scotia. That's that's ultimately what's decided. Rigor mortis stands up and Ice stands up and uh, Prokop Skillful stands up and then Ice and Rigor Mortis look at you guys and say Ice says, Well, it's been a it's been a pleasure and an honor running with you guys. I kind of point the Dean there points to like motorcycle helmet. Oh shit. You mean that glaring plot hole which I which the GM totally overlooked? Yeah, I was yeah. about to say like, hey, yeah, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, prop up. There is the matter of the cranial bomb currently installed in Rigor Mortis's head. Yeah, we'll we'll basically cut that little bit out, and we'll go from the story of Prokop telling Rigor Mortis what happened to Cecile saying, "There's the matter of the cranial bomb," and. Uh, broke up did well I mean we can get that taken care of pretty easily I mean if you don't care for a large section of your brain I imagine I could take it out fairly easily well I believe first we'll have to actually find a decker to hack into it and deactivate it that'd be a good idea he looks at Cecile and then he doesn't look at Cecile (laughs) (laughs) he said well Yes, so I'll take care of that part. Um, so I believe our business here, and he looks at the team and says, I believe our business is concluded, Actually, at least in this matter. Rock, I 
would like to discuss some business with you. Before we get into that, though, would you like to get paid? Yes! Money! Rather. Ah, yes. So, job well done. And how much did I offer you guys again? I think it was 15,000. All right. We'll go with 15,000. I I recall that it was um, the same amount as we got paid for the Van Housen. So that was that was quite a bit less. Hmm. We got um, the Van Housen job. No, the uh, it wasn't the Van Housen job. It was the uh, the Creeper Stalker guy job. Well, yeah, but we still got paid by Krakow, I believe. Because I think the Van Housen, when you guys took Van Housen, that was really part of the finding rigor mortis thing. And we got paid seven fifty or seventy five thousand seventy five hundred for. Um, Killing Van Housen, I think. That's not no. what I have. No. You didn't, uh, you weren't hired to kill Van Housen. You were hired to kidnap Van Housen. Totally yeah. different. Kidnap and extract information leading to the recovery of Rigor Mortis. We still got paid for it. And we got, um, 2,500, I think. Um, the kid, the creep, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's what I remember. Oh, he was no kid. That made it I, even worse. Have I just been stealing uh, things payment? No, um, I, I think DMD starts calling everyone kid. No, I think, uh, I think Ice had given Cecile, um, some portion of his pay. Yeah, I, I have double for the Greasy Johnson, but my, what I have written down for the mission report from Braca for the Van Housen whole deal is 15,000 data. That's what I remember. Something closer to that figure. Maybe. Yeah, I think that basically it's all part of the part of the, the rescuing River Mortis job. Indeed, and I recall us saying, uh, deliberating about stuff, and you basically saying that the run on the prison is about the same as Van Housen, so it'll pay similar. And I think you also were a lot. You Prokop had also given you just. You guys had negotiated for a raise in the pay, and Prokop had basically thrown in the equipment that he'd loaned you. Yes. All right, so as you're basically, as the discussions wrap up and the decision is made, you know, Ice and Rigor Mortis reconcile, and Prokop and they reconcile, and they deliberate on how what to do with rigor mortis they come to the conclusion you know they come to the decision that rigor mortis is going to go with ice at least for a while to nova scotia to lay low and establish a new identity um the cortex bomb is going to get taken care of by Procop, and so um at that point rigor mortis and ice um are going to leave and that's when ice basically is standing up he looks at the rest of the team and he says, you know, it's been a pleasure running with you guys. Um, it was well, Ice. And you, Ice. It's a new when you get there. It will do, and if you ever come out east, uh, let me know, and uh, I can offer you a uh, fresh fish chowder. Perhaps I'll ask your good. advice on catching metacritters. Yeah, uh, I might go back to that work, as a matter of fact. So if you, if you go back to college and any of your professors are looking for a guide, uh, let me know. Oh, they always are. And uh, till then, you know the rules, right? 
conserve your ammo, make no deals with dragons, and watch your back. Apparently, Cecile's already failed at one of those. <laughs> Rigor mortis, on the other hand, is a little bit less stilted and formal about goodbyes, and comes around and shakes everybody's hand. Um, he hesitates slightly when he gets to Grace. Um, <laughs> he holds out his hand and then looks at his hand and at Grace and, uh, okay. It was good knowing you all. Thank you very much. I, I owe you, and uh, you can call in the favor at any time as long as it's several years from now. And they depart with, uh, they depart with Talia. And at that point, Prokop looks at you and says, well, it was uh, from everything I've heard and seen, you pulled off that rescue flawlessly. I'm very impressed with your work. So uh, he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a couple of cred sticks and hands you each a cred stick and says, uh, as agreed, 15,000 million each. I'm very grateful. So now comes the real proposition. I brought you all together in the hopes of establishing a a new team of runners in Seattle. Um, so I don't know how you guys feel about working with each other and me again, but I hope that you will consider that if I call with work, you will consider it. I know I will at least. We'll see. I know some of us have some unfinished business. Uh, he looks at Dander. I have uh, begun the process of trying to find out what happened to your brother. And as, as I get more information there, I'll be in touch. Thank you. Although I did only ask for the resources. You don't have to go all the way to join my quest. It's easier for me, or it would be, be beneficial for you if the weight of my organization is behind, behind the request, obviously. I think you will probably get results quicker, although it's already proving to be quite difficult. Your brother um, died several years ago, and the traces of what happened have been expertly cleaned from the Matrix. I think, um, although the group hasn't seen this before, this is, Dandare definitely goes into the same, like, it's not annoyed, but it's like, I, I don't want to believe this state that, um, Ice and uh, Rigor Mortis saw earlier where she gets like several shades lighter green um, and kind of begins to be a little annoying. What does Grace see in the astral? Um, I, I like to I like to imagine like emotions you see in the astral for um, uh, for D&D are somewhat muted. They're not entirely muted but she blends in a little bit more because of her magical resistance. Um, so I imagine that it goes from like a multitude of like um, colors, like green and green and red and orange, which are like I'm done with this job, excitement stuff, and annoyance at uh, some of the rest of the group, and a, a bunch of other mixed emotions to the sole focus. He's not dead. He can't be dead. Kind of thing. Like that stubborn refusal to believe in anything else, anything but what she believes in. Wait, you're dead? I don't believe so. Oh, okay. Well, we'll we're gonna find him. Or, uh, you're gonna find him. I don't know if you're gonna be staying with us long term, but 
Yes. Well, Raka, when you have a moment, I'd like to talk about to you in private. Cecile kind of gets up and is going to be waiting somewhere else. I think oh. like the second Dean Darren, oh, or uh, like uh, Cecile moves away, Dean Dare like forcefully stands up and like just turns around and walks out, like out to the street to the motorcycle, just all the way out of there. Definitely a flight response. All right. Um, I think we'll leave it there tonight. Oh. I think uh, I think we can probably wait. Do we get karma? Yeah, we should get karma. How much? Well, it was a job well done. High risk. We got fifteen thousand question mark. Mm-hmm. Fifteen thousand new yen. I can afford MREs. Unless you would prefer to be paid in corpse script, I'm sure that Prokop can arrange that. Yeah, that doesn't sound that's, like a good trade. And how that's, almost, that's almost all the money I spent on my uh, my suit back. Yay. All right, well, the way it breaks down is you all survived the adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You fulfilled most of the objectives. Yeah. Um... There was good role-playing. Absolutely. Pushed the storyline forward. Definitely. Character had the right skills at the right time and place. And you all impressed at one point or another with humor or drama. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six karma? That sounds right. Six karma? We're getting six karma. Seems pretty good, doesn't it? Delicious. Time to press buttons about it. Oh, I'll never go hungry. Boxer Not will. Fifteen thousand million. Boxer only eats MREs. She's hungry. Theater. <laughs> <laughs> she has been backed up for fifty years. She has to replace those ten thousand MREs that she had in that safe house that got blown up because Cecile didn't turn off her pan. My look, look, it's literally one sentence. I had a lot going on. She needs to save up to replace her fucking intestine because of <laughs> all those MREs. <laughs> they don't agree with your body. Half of them were chili mac. No! It's terrible. Alright guys, I'm going to call it a night. Yes, I have somewhere to be as well. Sounds good. Good night. Good night, Paul. I really enjoyed this. Oh, there he goes. The Topps Company, Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Topps Company, Inc. has granted permission to the Hard Knock Sorority Podcast to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast in any official capacity whatsoever. The music for the Hard Knocks Sorority Podcast was written and performed by Trace Mineral.
The Hard Knock Sorority Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons License 4.0, meaning you are welcome to use the material as long as you give us credit.